0: Jesus calls us to take up our cross and follow him. You're listening to Crosswalk with Pastor Steve Winery. Crosswalk is the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Tri-Cities, and it is our aim to lead you to the cross through the teaching of God's word.
1: So for 1,900 years, Israel as a nation was out of the land. They were spread all over the world, including in the land of Israel, but they were spread all over the world. And then in 1948, they come back together as a nation. When I was a kid, I got saved in 1975. And one of the things that uh, was getting taught at the time, and it was reasonable. This came from a number of prophecy books, including the late great planet Earth. And they glommed on to this whole parable of the fig tree, and the terminal generation. And they went, okay, what's a generation? And so what they wanted to do was put a timeline on it. And so basically what they did was they went back to the book of Exodus and the book of Numbers. And you know that Israel, when they were wandering in the wilderness, how long did they wander in the wilderness? For 40 years until until that generation died off. And so they commentators took that as being the definition of a, def- of, of a generation, okay? And so 1948 plus 40 years gives you 1988, minus seven years gives you 1981. 1981 was a big year, 1981 was a big year. There were all kinds of things that were going on with Russia in 1981. 1981 was when uh, Reagan first got into office and he had been calling Russia uh, the evil empire, and he had promised to build up the American military. Our military had been decimated after Vietnam. There was no money being uh, spent on the military, and Russia had a major advantage at the time. I remember talking to guys on my construction crews about the fact that some of the uh, major politicos during the time were very worried about nuclear war because if Russia didn't do something, they were going to lose because of the might of the American economy. And so it's kind of like use it or lose it during that, that period of time. So 1981, I remember that, that winter when times were, you know, 1981 was coming along and it's like, that's a reasonable interpretation of those passages, generation 40 years, Take seven, off, seven years off for the tribulation period. You get yourself to 1981. Jesus could be coming back in 1981 and taking us out of there. And so I had good teachers and none of them ever said 1981 is the year. And so Jesus is coming back and none of them ever said that, including Chuck Smith. I listened to him too. And so he just, he just went through and, and said this stuff. And so 1981 passed, And it was like, oh, bummer. And I remember the end of 1981 when it was going to turn to 1982. And I'm like, doggone it, Jesus didn't come back. You know, and then just went on with my life. There was a book that came out in 1987 called 88 Reasons Jesus is Coming Back in 1988. And it had to do that with that 40 year thing again. And obviously Jesus didn't come back in 1988. That book sold a lot of copies, by the way. But the next year, the guy came out with 89 Reasons Jesus is Coming Back in 1989. That one didn't sell so well, you know, after, after that point. And obviously, in any case, what had to happen is people had to go back and look again at the, that interpretation and readjust things. When you are in, and we read this in the book of Genesis in chapter 15, it talks about four generations— that the people of Israel were going to be in Egypt. And they were in Egypt for 400 years. So now we got another number for a generation, which would be 100 years. And I don't use that number because I have no idea. This is what I think. I think that there are going to be people alive at the time that Jesus comes back to get his church who saw the formation of the nation of Israel. Actually. The way that God is, it'll probably be one person alive. When Jesus is talking about the rapture of the church, he compares it to the days of Noah. That's a major difference between that passage and what he had been talking about leading up to the second coming, because leading up to the second coming is nothing but destruction and terror and almost the destruction of everybody on the planet. Jesus said, unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. It's the worst time that that the world has ever seen. He said those kinds of things. But when he was talking about the events that were going to take place before the rapture, he said, it's going to be like in the days of Noah, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. There were no events that preceded the flood. There were no major signs. The only sign that you had was a guy was building a boat. That was it. And no other major events. And it was just the preaching of the man, Noah, that was portentous of, of the coming of the flood. And business as usual until they entered the ark and then the flood came and took them all away is what Jesus says there. And he says, that's what it's going to be like at the time of the end of the age. Business as usual and then sudden destruction comes down on those who were left behind. One will be taken, the other's left. And when you get to Luke's gospel in chapter 17, It even talks about two people being in one bed, one's taken and the other left, which lets you know it's a worldwide event and the earth is round because some guys are out in the field working and other people are in bed. And so you, you got two sides of the earth there. So the earth is round. In any case, you have that whole thing going on. And what I'm gonna talk with you about tonight, start tonight at the very least, is the events that lead up to that sudden destruction that comes down on these people, okay? So we're over in the book of Ezekiel, book of Ezekiel, and we're gonna start in in chapter 26. And I just wanna go through, and I'm just gonna do um, kind of a real quick overview of Ezekiel 36, because 36, 37, 38, and 39 are all about Israel specifically in the last days. In chapter 36, let's read verses one through seven. It says, you son of man, Prophesy to the mountains of Israel and say, O mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, because the enemy has said of you, aha, the ancient heights have become our possession. Therefore prophesy and say, thus says the Lord God, because they made you desolate and swallowed you up on every side so that you became the possession of the rest of the nations. And you are taken up by the lips of talkers and slandered by the people. Is that happening? Yeah. Therefore, O mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord God. Thus says the Lord God to the mountains, the hills, the rivers, the valleys, the desolate wastes, and the cities that have been forsaken, which became plunder and mockery to the rest of the nations all around. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, surely I've spoken in my burning jealousy against the rest of the nations and against all Edom who gave my land to themselves as a possession with wholehearted joy and spiteful minds in order to plunder the open country? its open country. Therefore prophesy concerning the land of Israel, say to the mountains, the hills, the rivers, the valleys, thus says the Lord God, behold, I have spoken in my jealousy and my fury because you have borne the shame of the nations. Therefore thus says the Lord God, I have raised my hand in an oath that surely the nations that are around you shall bear their own shame. And so that's a promise that God's going to punish Israel's enemies, specifically for hounding and slandering and plundering them in verses three through five. And God's going to give them scorn for scorn in verses six and seven. Then you have verses eight through 12. It says, but you, O mountains of Israel, you shall shoot forth your branches, yield your fruit to my people Israel, for they are about to come. For indeed I am for you and I will turn to you and you shall be tilled and sown. I will multiply men upon you, all the house of Israel, all of it, and the cities shall be inhabited and the ruins rebuilt. See verse 10 again? I will multiply men upon you, all the house of Israel, all of it. And so this is not just talking about Judah. This is talking about the whole house of Israel. And so, you know, the, the nation was divided into the northern kingdom of Israel, southern kingdom of Judah, right? There were Israelites in the sense of the northern kingdom of Israel in the nation of Judah. But this is talking about everybody being gathered from all the nations. He says, I will multiply you, verse 11, multiply upon you man and beast, and they shall increase and bear young. I will make you inhabited as in former times and do better for you than at your beginnings, then you shall know that I am the Lord. Yes, I will cause men to walk on you, my people Israel. They shall take possession of you and you shall be their inheritance. No more shall you bereave them of children. Thus says the Lord God, because they say to you, you devour men and bereave your nation of children, therefore you shall devour men no more, nor bereave your nation anymore, says the Lord God, nor will I let you hear the taunts of the nations anymore nor bear the reproach of the peoples anymore, nor shall you cause your nation to stumble anymore, says the Lord God. Okay, when are those events going to take place? So what happens um, after the time of Ezekiel, you have the time of Daniel, basically, Ezekiel too, but they are in Babylon for 70 years. They come back after the Babylonian captivity to the nation of Israel. And it looks like that could be a fulfillment of this whole thing. But what happens then is you have the coming of the Messiah. So you have the coming of Jesus right around one to two BC. Jesus does his ministry and they crucify him. And then they get a 38 year reprieve basically for the nation of Israel to repent. And then what happens is the, they rebel against the Romans in 66 AD. And in 70 AD, the Romans come in and they take out the city of Jerusalem. And then they finish the job in 132 AD at another revolt of the Jews. And the Jews are cast into all the nations. Let me, let me read verse 15 again nor will I let you hear the taunts of the nations anymore, nor bear the reproach of the peoples anymore, nor shall you cause your nation to stumble anymore, says the Lord God. That is not something that happened after the Babylonian return. They did cause their nation to stumble. They did get the taunts of the nations again for the next 1900 years after they rejected Jesus. They got all of those things. And so this event, cannot be talking about the return of the Jews after Babylon. You guys get that? It's gotta be talking about the return of the Jews after they've been dispersed into all the nations. And that's the return that we see happening during the 20th century and continuing into the 21st. Verse 16, it says, moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, there's a promise of fruitfulness in verse eight. There's a promise that God is for you in verse nine. There's a po- promise of population increase. Um, There's a promise that they're going to be in the land perpetually. When you look at verse 12 in the NLT, it reads this way, I will cause my people to walk on you once again, and you will be their territory. You will never again rob them of their children. And so that's talking about the nation being in Israel and staying there perpetually. And that's the promise of verse 12. And then again, In verse 13, their reproach is taken away. And in verse 15, you have this whole thing with them not stumbling anymore. Verse 16 through 38 is restoration and blessing. It says, moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, when the house of Israel dwelt in their own land, they defiled it by their own ways and deeds. To me, their way was like the uncleanness of a woman in her customary impurity. Therefore, I poured out my fury on them for the blood they had shed on the land and for their idols which they had defiled it. So I scattered them among the nations, and they were dispersed throughout the countries. I judged them according to their ways and their deeds. When they came to the nations, wherever they went, they profaned my holy name. When they said of them, these are the people of the Lord, and yet they have gone out of his land. But I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations, wherever they went. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which you have profaned among the nations, wherever you went. And I will sanctify my great name, which has been profaned among the nations. And when you're seeing the the nations there, that's the Gentiles, who you have profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst, And the nations shall know that I am the Lord, says the Lord God, when I am hallowed in you before their eyes. For I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all countries and bring you into your own land. And again, this cannot be talking about the Babylonian captivity. they, They have to come from all the countries in the world. And so that's what's being spoken about. Look at verse 25. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. This is the only place in the Bible that talks about water and the Holy Spirit in the same reference besides John chapter three. So when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus in John chapter three and says, you're the teacher of Israel and you don't know these things, he expected Nicodemus to know about this promise that God had given to Israel, that he was going to cleanse them and he was going to change their hearts and he was going to put his spirit within them. That's called being born again. This is the new covenant. And this is something that was specifically promised to the people of Israel. They haven't gotten it as a nation yet. We get it because we came in through Abraham, through the blessing portion of the Abrahamic covenant, but they haven't gotten this yet. He says, then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people and I will be your God. I will deliver you from all your uncleannesses, I will call for the grain and multiply it and bring no famine upon you. And I will multiply the fruit of your trees, the increase of your fields, so that you need never again bear the reproach of famine among the nations. Then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good. And you will loathe yourselves in your own sight for your iniquities and your abominations. Not for your sake do I do this, says the Lord God. Let it be known to you. Be ashamed and confounded for your own ways, O house of Israel. Says the Lord God, on the day that I cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will also enable you to dwell in the cities and the ruins shall be rebuilt. The desolate land shall be tilled instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass by. So they will say this land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden and the wasted, desolate and ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations which are left all around you shall know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt the ruined places and planted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken it and I will do it. Thus says the Lord God, I will also let the house of Israel inquire of me to do this for them. I will increase their men like a flock, like a flock offered as holy sacrifices, like the flock at Jerusalem on its feast days. So shall the ruined cities be filled with blocks of men. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. And so there are a number of prophecies that are in there. Some of those are being fulfilled right now. They're back in the land. The cities are being rebuilt the land is becoming fruitful again. But the ultimate fulfillment of this is when Jesus comes back, he gathers the nation of Israel together, brings them to the land. In the book of Jeremiah, it specifically says that he brings the nation of the, the, nation of the Jews, all, all the people of Israel to the borders of the land, and he causes them to pass under the rod like a shepherd bringing his sheep into the fold. He causes them to pass under the rod and all the rebels, all those who are not followers of him are cast out. And it's only the believers that are going into the nation of Israel during that time. And that again is talking about right after the second coming and the regathering of the people of Israel to the land. You'll notice here that in this passage, it talks about the fact that they never pollute the land again. They have a real relationship with God They follow him and they serve him. They don't become a byword anymore to the nations around them. And this is the ultimate fulfillment of God bringing his nation back together into a relationship with him. And that hasn't happened yet. And that wasn't fulfilled at the Babylonian um, return. So then you get chapter 37 and chapter 37 is talking about um, Israel's return once again. And we've already talked about this, so I'm not gonna go way through it, but it's the vision of the valley of dry bones. And so you see in verse one, he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley and it was full of bones. He caused me to pass by them all around and behold, there were very many in the open valley and indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, "O Lord God, you know. In other words, I have no idea, but you do Lord. And he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, oh dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And he says, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I'll put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. If we put this in a movie, this would be freaky. And so it's it's a picture of the fact that the nation of Israel is going to come back together. This is not a picture of the resurrection. This is a picture of the the fact that the nation of Israel is going to come back together. And specifically, God is replying to the fact that the people have been saying that our bones are dry, verse 11, our hope is lost and we ourselves are cut off. And what God does is he says, I'm gonna take those dry bones, I'm gonna put flesh back on them and I'm gonna return you to the land of Israel. He goes on and he says in verse 13, then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves. And he's speaking figuratively because that's how they're speaking. And then he says this, I will put my spirit in you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. Okay, and so what God is saying here is that when he brings the people of Israel back into the land, that he's going to bring them out of their graves, so to speak, and it's the idea of, again, being dispersed among the nations. They don't have a nation anymore. He's gonna bring them out of their graves, so to speak, bring them back to the land, and he's going to put life back into them. It specifically says that it's, he's going to breathe on them, but it's not until the end that he puts a spirit within them. And that's what he's gonna to get to when he gets to, gets to chapter 38. The next thing that you have here is a prophecy about how the nation of Israel is going to be governed. Before Israel left in the Babylonian and the Assyrian captivity, it had been divided into north and south. And what he says is when I bring this nation back, they're gonna be gathered from all the nations of the earth and they're going to be one nation. And so he tells Ezekiel to go out and get two sticks and write on one of them for Judah and for the children of Israel, his companions, and on the other one for Ephraim and the children of Israel, his companions, and take the two sticks and put them in one hand. And then he goes on and he says, when I bring you back, you're gonna be one nation. You're not gonna be split up anymore. That did happen after the Babylonian captivity. But again, that's not the fulfillment of this because they weren't in all the nations and they got thrown out again. Okay, this is, this is a final return of the nation of Israel under the new covenant. And so um, he, he brings them back. One of the things that people have a question about again, is whether or not there is going to be another return of the people of Israel. And so you have guys who are reform right now that teach that the nation of Israel that is there is not a fulfillment of these passages. It's not even a a precursor to a fulfillment of these passages because they believe that Israel has been basically abandoned by God because they did not recognize Jesus as Messiah.
0: You've been listening to Crosswalk with Pastor Steve Winter. Crosswalk is the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Tri-Cities in Kennewick, Washington. If you are interested in purchasing a copy of today's message or wanting to know more about what it means to follow Christ, then please contact our church office by phone at 509-736-2086. You can also look us up online at calvary-tricities.org. There you will find a wide variety of Pastor Steve's teachings to listen to or download for free. If you want to join us for church sometime, we are located at 10611 West Clearwater Avenue in Kenwood, Washington. Our Sunday morning service times are 7.30, 9.15, and 11 a.m. We also have Wednesday and Sunday evening services at 6.30 p.m. We hope you have been blessed today and join us again next time for Crosswalk.